just in and so good. Thousands of summer deals at your Nordstrom Rack Store. Save up to 60% on new arrivals from Vince, Rag & Bone, Adidas, Joe's, Marc Jacobs, and more. Great brands, great prices every day at Nordstrom Rack. But hurry for first dibs. Get your summer favorites up to 60% off at Nordstrom Rack today. Great brands, great prices. That's why you rack. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. Take me to the Hello, podcast listeners. My name is Kelly Richardson Lawson. I'm a mother, a wife, and an entrepreneur. I started the Sunrise Project after our beautiful teenage son attempted to take his own life. Truth is, I'm My husband and I felt despair, isolation, and immeasurable pain. I knew in my heart we needed a place for Black parents to share their struggles, find mutual support, and help our beloved children who struggle with mental wellness, addiction, or both. Each weekly podcast features an expert who shares their knowledge and takes questions from parents and children. Take me to the king. I don't have much to bring. The Sunrise Project allows Black families, like ours, to find comfort in knowing that we are not alone. While the purpose of the Sunrise Project is to share, support, and uplift, this conversation is not a substitute for medical advice. Finding the right healthcare professional for your family's specific needs is crucial. If you do not feel seen or heard, you should speak to more than one professional to find the right fit. Good morning and welcome to our weekly Sunrise Project call on this beautiful Sunday morning. I'm glad you're here with us this morning, and I'm so glad and grateful for our speaker this morning, Jason Wells. Before we get started, just a quick serenity prayer. God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. And I have said that a lot this week. Um, This morning, speaker... Jason Wells was with us last May. And on that call, he talked about our journey of emotions and purpose and the importance of acknowledging and embracing and sharing these emotions. And I would just say, I think we have all done that over the past year, um, really using this space as an opportunity to share those emotions, to be vulnerable, to be open, to hear one another, uh, and importantly, to learn from one another. So this morning, Jason has graciously come back with us to share this morning about how we can understand our children better and how we can create a space of understanding and a space of um, closeness and being able to bond in ways that support their journey, which is often not the journey that we would have thought we would have for them or that they would be on. Um, So this morning, Jason's gonna be talking about meaningful change and how we can do that and how we can explore a different approach to seeing and connecting with our children that will bring us awareness of what he says is the distance between people rather than the differences of people. Jason is an experienced teller and author an enhancement coach and a 13 year veteran international professional basketball player. And he has played all over the world, multiple countries. 
Um, he spent 13 seasons traveling the world as a professional basketball player, and he has played with, against, and collaborated with some of the most recognizable names on the planet. He now guides people on their individual and collective journeys of greatness. He has an incredible book entitled The Things We Know But Do Not Do. I encourage all of you to please purchase that. It's available online. And he provides insights to parents, coaches, and athletes to enhance our awareness, connection, and achieve a greater sense of self. So I am going to stop talking and turn it over to Jason Wells. And again, thank you, thank you, thank you for being back with us this morning. So appreciate it. Life is a highway. And on it, there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. So go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. Um, I appreciate that introduction, Kelly. I appreciate being back. Good morning to everybody. Um, yeah, we're going to have some fun today. I, like, I'm rooted in, in having fun, lighthearted, all while learning, too. So... Um, I have a couple things that we're going to go through today, and but before I get into it, I want this to be interactive. So um, this is not going to be an hour where you just sit back and listen to my voice. I would love for you to share share your own stories. Um, they're going to be an opportunity to do that, um, as well as even this first thing that we're going to do. So before I even say anything else about myself, I have a question for you in the audience. Um, really simple question. I'm intrigued to hear at least a couple answers. My first question is, what is your favorite season and why? What's your favorite season and why? You feel free, come off a of mute, share, whatever. Let's go at least two, maybe three. My favorite season is summer. Um, I love the warm weather. I love the beach. I love being outdoors and I just enjoy summer the most, I think. Love it, love it, love it. I appreciate that. Anybody else? Let's go two more. Same for me, same exact thing, Cause. summer. All right, cool. Hey, Jason, mine would actually be winter. And okay. um, I actually love the snow. And from a family standpoint, it's the one opportunity where my daughter and I can actually do something together so we ski together down the mountain and we can talk and we can laugh and we can have fun and it just brings me joy so i love the winter love it love it love it and i see um fall because of the beauty of the changes the colors of the trees and the, the weather the cool weather uh anybody else let's go one more just because those went quick last one i call i say last one best one so last one i'll go jason uh, it's fall for me because it's not too hot it's not too cold and it just seems to be the perfect combination of all of the seasons love it love it love it absolutely love it all right um kelly richardson i'm coming back to you so summertime because of the weather because of the bikini tell me more you heard me say that earlier that's funny i think you know summertime for me because i love hot weather i love the uh being on the beach. I love the memories I have of actually being in Arkansas every summer and the house actually didn't even have air conditioning way back on the farm, but it brings back memories of my dad. He was a water person, memories of summertime at the pool. My mother could not swim. She's from the South and she made it and uh, was intentional about getting her daughters to learn how to swim. So every summer she sat at the little Thornton Park pool 
little community pool, she would sit there and read her magazines while we learned to swim. So I remember those times with my mom, with my dad, great family memories. And then the bikini comment was, when I'm feeling my best is when I'm fit and yeah. I'm able to walk around in a bikini without feeling self-conscious. So that's love a good it. positive um, vibe as well. Love it, love it, love it. Now to the group, Kelly, I appreciate that. Kelly, uh, I mean, uh, to the group, look at what just happened. Silly little question, what's your favorite season? Next thing you know, not only do I know that summer is Kelly's favorite season, but all of a sudden she's talking about mom, memories, mom not being able to swim, dad, him being a water guy. I even know the name of the park. She even threw in the name of the park. All because of three words. And we'll talk about this more in one of the sections that I'll speak about. But all I said was three words, tell me more. And it took her to a place where she didn't even know she was going there. <laughs> So I start off for what I refer to as these quote unquote silly questions, but they're silly questions of connection. They're silly questions that actually, when you ask these things to yourself, it puts you into a place. We talk about all these buzzwords like self-awareness and authenticity and all of this. Like, okay, well, my definition of self-awareness is how often can I put myself in situations where I'm asking myself things that allow me to get to know myself better? that allow me to get to verbalize who I am, what I value. That, like I heard Kelly's values in that family, value. Time spent, D, value. Like, like all of these things are, they, they tap into our values. And so as we go on this little journey today, keep that in mind. Everything is going to start with self. That's the first part of everything. The first part of everything. So. It, it's pretty clear that I like my brain, the way that my brain works, I'm very creative, I'm very visual, and I'm very like analytical at the same time. I am that hybrid mix of science and art. Um, and so I'll go, I love alliterations and I love acronyms. Today we're gonna go through an alliteration. And I don't even know if I necessarily planned it to be that way, but it is. Um, so as, as Kelly introduced me and we're talking about connecting again, self first, but then our kids, our family, and then how we also show up in the world and connect with the other people in the world. We are in a place where there's social things going on. There's political things going on. There's religious things going on. There, there's just so many things going on. And I feel like they are all foundationally rooted in being disconnected disconnected from ourselves individually and disconnected from the other people that we share this space with. That's what we do. So I'll talk about the first C. There are three C's, that's the alliteration. The first C is connect, which we've already started to go down this path with the connection question of what was your favorite season. But connect to me is, is the relationship. That's the connect piece. And, and all three of these are specifically verbs. So not necessarily connection, but connect as a verb, as an action item, as a to-do. So if everything is, is rooted in relationship, that's where it starts for me. And again, it starts with self. How am I connected to self? How well do I know me? So buzzwords, self-awareness, authenticity, vulnerability. You're about to get all of those things in this little story slash activity that we're about to do now. Typically, I would do this in the group. I would put us in the breakout rooms 
and we would do this activity in smaller groups of three or four. For sake of time, I'm going to be the guinea pig, and and I will I'm gonna open the space up. If the space allows it that someone would like to share theirs after I share mine, totally open to it. All right, but this is all rooted in the connect piece and then I'll come back. So uh, the activity, I, I like to call it three H, H as in what I'm about to say. So hero, hardship, and highlight. And this isn't my activity. I wish I could make this up. I ain't that smart, but I, I stole it from a guy that's in my business. Uh, one of the people that I follow a lot, she said, uh, if you steal from one person, it's plagiarism. If you steal from a lot of people, it's research. So I do a lot of research. So uh, this activity I, I got from one of my guys that I study a lot, and it's 3-8. So hero, hardship, highlight. Before I get started, that's specific. And I don't know if it was specific for him when he created it, but it's specific for me because I want to go sandwich approach. I want to go hero, which will probably be a little bit lighter. It might take me to a deep place, but it'll be lighter. Um, the second person, the second part is the hardship. That's the tough part. But let's sandwich that in. Let's not finish off with that. Let's finish off with a highlight. So for me, it's very specific that order. So I am going to share with you my hero hardship highlight. Three minutes. Somebody time me, but don't hold me accurate to it. All right, my hero. My hero would be my father for the fact that uh, my mom and dad split when I was five and I went with him. So you're talking late 70s, early 80s, not just, not just a cultural piece that is, you know, off with going with dad, um, but just in general, like that's just, that's just not the way it goes typically. Um, I have a great relationship with my mom but I was raised by my dad. My dad, who you see right here is a direct reflection of Donald Edward Wells. And why he's my hero is not necessarily for the reasons that many people would think. Like it's not all about what he taught me in basketball because my dad was a jazz musician. He didn't teach me much of anything in basketball. Um, it was more what I consider to be uh, the foundational roots of of authentic manhood. Again, if we're, if we're to use these buzz terms and I do these things where we dig into those things even deeper, those buzzwords, but what I refer to as authentic manhood, meaning my dad taught me how to cook. My dad taught me how to clean. My dad taught me how to be domestic. My dad taught me how to communicate. My dad taught me love, uh, especially from a family sense of, of the importance of knowing your family and loving your family. So my dad taught me all of these things. And so if we go air quotes, stereotypical relationship of, of father, son, you know, it, it wasn't all about girls and money and status and jobs. And, and, and those, uh, we, we have this acronym that we use SPAM, which is status, performance, appearance, and money. Um, that's, that's one of the things that we dive through in our, in our men's group. But my dad wasn't rooted in those things. And so I learned what I refer to as authentic manhood in that way. Uh, my dad, again, was a jazz musician. So when it came time for me to be in the sports world, especially at a high level of sports, he couldn't teach me anything. And so what he did was he supported the heck out of me. So it wasn't about, hey, I'm about to teach you how to do all of these detailed basketball moves. It was, I can't teach you much about that, but I can pat you on your butt and support you and, and, and challenge you when you need to be challenged. And so here's the thing that I'll finish with with that part of the story. 
my dad never coached my stats. It was never about, hey, you missed that layup or you should have made that free throw. It was always, yo, man, your attitude after you missed that layup, <laughs> that ain't what we do. Hey, when coach took you out of the game and you went to the end of the bench and pouted, no, nah, no, nah, nah, we're going to stand there. We're going to look him in the eye and we're going to sit there and we're going to find a situation. Like it was always about what I refer to as coaching my character. And at the end of the day, if I were to sum my dad up in one word, it would be present. He was present. He was present. Not that he always understood, not that he always agreed, but he was present. So that's my hero. My hardship would be what I refer to as the 13 months of hell. 13 months of hell were January 2011 to February 2012, where in that 13 months, I retired the game that I literally played my entire life, came home, I played overseas, so I came home, consequently got separated and divorced. Everything financially was in my name, so now there's fallout to that, so foreclosure bankruptcy, uh, I got a job that was purely per a relationship of a kid that I was working out on the basketball side and his dad knew that I had to have something to supplement my income. And so he gave me this sales job that was base salary and commission. I made no commission because I ain't sell nothing because I didn't even know what the industry was. So all of these, and I was, I was laid off from that. So retirement, divorce, bankruptcy, foreclosure, laid off, literally all in 13 months. And yeah, you can only imagine. And I know that each of us have some hardships that may not be that, but they yours. <laughs> and, and, and that makes them valid and that makes them valuable. So um, man, that was, a, that was a tough period of life. It was, it was, yeah, it was a lot. It was a lot. So that's my hardship. And then I'll finish up with my highlight. And my highlight would have to be uh, the book that Kelly mentioned. Like I'm a little boy from Cleveland, Ohio. And little boys from Cleveland, Ohio, we didn't get told what we could do a whole lot. We didn't get told, you can do this, you can do that, you, you should do this, you, you will do this. I got told a whole bunch of can'ts, won'ts, and, and ain'ts. You, you won't do this because you're from Cleveland. You can't do this because you're from Cleveland. You can't do this because you're from this side of Cleveland. You're from this part of Cleveland. So I heard a lot of that. And to be a little boy from Cleveland that has written a book and I didn't sit down to write a book. That's, that wasn't even the intention, but to now know that my, my dad who is looking down on me, um, my sons who are looking up to me uh, and everybody else that is connected to me in any way, shape or form, I am ridiculously grateful for the opportunity to be able to say that when I'm not here anymore physically, my sons, my family, and the people that are close to me will at least have something to be able to tie themselves to, be connected to. And, and yeah, I left, my, I left my stamp on the world. So um, that is for sure a highlight on top of many others, uh, as well as many other hardships as well. So that's the activity. I just want to pause and just say thank you for that story and sharing that and also just acknowledge that you always say yes. And so when we called you and asked you to do a video talking about your journey to a bunch of black men um, via, you know, the tech and talk uh, experience, you said sure. yes. Sure. And 
you never come back with, well, what am I going to get for that? You just show up because you want to share your journey and experience and help others. I just want to say thank you for that. Uh, Kelly, I appreciate that greatly. So just in that little exercise, it's very simple. Just like, what's your favorite season? Hero, hardship, highlight. And also, I, I, matter of fact, I'll just ask a question. Anybody, uh, what did you hear? What did you learn? What did you gather from just uh, that little story? Me answering those three questions. Hi, um, I'd like to share what I learned. And thank you for your transparency and your willingness to share that story. What I learned is that there are endless possibilities, no matter where you come from and what your core beginnings are, your frame of reference. It doesn't define who you are. And that's been also my walk in life. I didn't have many advantages growing up, but what I did have was hope. So I heard the same thing in what you shared, that there's always endless possibility if you can see the end at the beginning, which is, you know, and you saw that even when you went through those trials, what ended up happening is where you are today. So th that's what I heard. I heard faith. I heard, I heard hope. I've heard endless possibilities. I love it. I love it. I love it. I appreciate that. So again, thinking about just back to the core of that, I'm all about simplicity. How I show up, one of my core personality traits is rooted in simplicity. I tell people all the time, I'm not a rocket scientist, therefore I don't talk like one. Um, it's, it's rooted in simplicity. And so the simplicity of three, this little exercise, hero, hardship, highlight, what was shared and what you heard. I'm sure that not many of you, if any of you have run up and down the basketball court on a professional level. Cool, you don't have to have had that story for you to be able to relate to what was shared. But you learn values about me, you learn things about my story, you learn what's important to me. And so now I would encourage you strongly to take that activity and have at it. Do it for yourself first. Remember self. And then as you do it, now you can start to introduce it to your children, introduce it to your family, introduce it to your coworkers, the people that you, that you do life with. And I promise you, you will learn more about them, even if they are the people that you feel like you know best. Relationship is everything, literally everything. It is the foundation. And, and so when we start talking about meaningful relationships, meaningful relationships are built on actually knowing people, not just knowing about them. If I know about you, people know about, I'm six foot eight. When I walk around, people don't ask me, do I play basketball? They ask me who I play for. So they think they know about me, but they don't really know me. So real meaningful relationships. And again, these are these start with the people that are closest to us in proximity, but we may not necessarily have that form of relationship. And so finding these little fun, interactive, different ways of engaging and, and starting to connect and meet with these people in different ways to find out their values, to find out what's important to them, to find out their principles. This is the game changer. This is the game changer. Be intentional about your relationships. Be intentional about your relationships. Ask questions and find activities that open the hearts of the people that are around you so they can share their vulnerability. Jason? Yes, ma'am. Can I just interrupt real quick? Sure. <laughs> what if you have a child that literally just doesn't want to talk to you? Yeah. And you're, you're like, hey, how's everything going? They're just like, it's fine. Like, like yeah. just, you're like, it's like pulling teeth just to have a conversation. 
Love it. I, I find myself a lot of times just getting off the phone because it's just like, okay, I'm trying, but if you don't want to talk, then I'm certainly busy. I am yeah. certainly busy. So. Yeah. yeah. So, and, and I'm actually going to talk about this in the very next section, but we can start here because it'll be a great transition. So think about the question that you asked. How's everything? Good. I got a 14 year old and 11 year old. So part of it is their vocabulary isn't even at a place where they can expound on it. And I just gave them an out to answer the question and not say anything else. So we know these as adults as closed ended questions. So really, really, really being particular about how you ask questions. So I wouldn't say that to a child, but I have said it to adults before. Ask me a different question. And that's the challenge on you now to ask me something that's going to be a little bit deeper than that. And so here's what this is. This is me. And this is the beauty of, of this space. And, and what I do in other spaces is I'm just sharing what I do. I could care less whether you go do it or not. But the challenge is going to be finding out what is going to work for you and build those relationships. So how I talk to my sons, how I talk to the people that are in my circle is I don't say, uh, how was today? I say, tell me the best thing about today. Hmm. That's a, that's a paradigm shift. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And because now I don't have to go. How was today? Good. Well, what was good about today? Not because now it's like, it turns into almost like this interrogation. Let me just ask a different question from the start. What was the best part about today? What made you smile today? What made shoot? What made you cry today? Cause they don't always have to be from this, this, you know, I, happy go nappy, <laughs> sunshine place with rainbows. No, 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 no. It, it, it could it, we could very easily be in this place. So, what made you cry today? What was what was challenging for you today? Now, now it's a different space. Does that make sense? It does. It's that's a, a huge paradigm. <laughs> I think she would be like, "Okay, mother, what's gotten into you?" But I, I'm gonna try it. <laughs> trust me she will because she's and this is perfect transition into the next one and the story that i'll share is because she's not used to you showing up in that space and so we talk all of this stuff as a generation about these kids these kids these kids they different yep they different first off so were we <laughs> we were different from the people that were raising coaching and teaching us and how long are we going to say that these kids are different and expect them to make the change without us making a change? That's good. That's powerful. So second part. So the first C is connect. Again, self first. How well do I know myself to now be able to show up authentically, transparently, vulnerably to the people that, that need to know me, that want to know me, so now we can be in relationship together. So that connect piece is rooted in relationship. The second C is communication. Myself. How do I talk to myself? How do I communicate to myself? How do I listen to myself? And there's, a, there's, this, there's this very thin line right here. I tell athletes when I'm in the athletic space, talk to yourself, don't listen to yourself. What? What you talking about, Coach Dick? What talk? What are you saying to yourself? Because if you're talking to yourself, probably you're in a space where I can get to positive self-talk, optimistic things. I can say encouraging things to myself. If I'm listening to myself, I'm probably rooted in 
all my challenges, all my frustrations, all my discouragements, all of what the world is saying I could, would, and should be doing. So that's the listening piece. If I'm doing it at a superficial level, I'm at a point now where I can listen to myself and I, I'm, I'm cool with that too, because I've talked to myself so much that I know what I'm hearing and I know what I'm listening for. So that, that's, a, that's a, a different part of the journey. But in this communication piece, like I'm really talking about leading with listening. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. And we talked about this before when I was on, but for people that weren't on or for people that just have a refresh or, or are open for a refresh, I talk about five skills of listening very specifically skills. And this is me being rooted in my athletic space. When I hear skills, I think practice. When I think practice, I think I can get better at it. So very, very, very intentionally named as skills because I think these are things that with practice we can get better at, five levels. First level is just be present. Just be present, eye contact, leaning forward, acting like you're, you're, you're really intrigued and, in, and, and engaged in what's being said to the speaker. Remember, we're talking about showing up as a listener right here, putting your phone down. Come on now, we, we all know it. Matter of fact, I do an activity where I have people partnered up and I tell them, I tell one partner, make your partner know that you're not listening to them. And the first thing they do is pick up their phone. Like we know that. It's culturally known now. We know, I, I, I hear you, I hear you, I hear, do you? Do you? So that first skill is just to be fully present. Put your phone down. Not even if, if you're gonna do something, cause I take notes in my phone a lot. And I will also tell the person that's speaking, I'm just taking notes right here. I'm not doing anything. So they don't feel a certain kind of way. And second C, I've also communicated what's, what's being done. So now we're in this space. So the first one is being present. The second one is to, is to be just tuned in. So now my non-verbals or, or maybe even some verbals, you're giving a head nod, you're, you're giving a uh-huh, you're giving a, a, a really, you know, there's some type of exchange now to show that you're tuned in to what's being said, tuned in to them as a, as a speaker, tuned in to them as the person that's sharing the story. So that's the second part. The third one is just being in silence. I'm still here. So think about the adjectives that we use when we talk about silence, awkward silence, uncomfortable silence. And I think that the root of a lot of those adjectives comes from the point that here's what I've learned silence does. Silence, for lack of a better word, forces you to think and it forces you to feel. And most people are not comfortable being in those places. And that is probably one of the biggest travesties. Like that's what separates us. That's why we are the supreme species because of our ability to think and our ability to, to, to emote. Like that, that's why we are as human beings a superior species. And we reject those two things Consciously or unconsciously, it's why we got to scroll because it keeps us from thinking. It's why we got to have background music going because it keeps us from thinking. It keeps us from feeling. 
And, and my encouragement would be to sit in those spaces of silence, especially as a listener, because for you as a listener, it gives you the opportunity to just sit and process and just receive. And also the power for the speaker to just be able to sit. I, as a listener, I don't have to problem solve. As a listener, I don't have to tell you that it's going to be all right. I don't know if it's going to be all right. But I can just sit in that space. So the power of silence, that's the third one. Fourth one is, is door openers. That's what you saw me do with Kelly. Just tell me more. Tell me more about that. I call it going, another way I say it is going for the gold because all of a sudden, tell me more, again, allows that speaker, that storyteller to go down a place that they didn't even think about. Kelly started telling us about her mom and dad and even told us the name of the pool because I said, tell me more about what your favorite season is. And then the last skill, so we have four. We have be present, we have stay tuned in, we have practice silence, we have open the doors. And then the fifth one is just reflect back. Many times we'll hear this and we'll hear um, empathetic listening or, or, or show up with empathy and all of those, that sounds awesome. Here's what empathy or empathetic listening means to me. What that means to me is I'm so connected to you, content goes out the window. And I touched on this before. Hopefully you got connected to me as a storyteller to where basketball went out the window. You got so connected to me as storyteller that maybe your dad is, is still alive. You don't know, you don't relate to that. That goes out of the window. Maybe you haven't filed bankruptcy. That goes out of the window. Divorce. Like the content of the story goes out of the window because I am connected to the person. That is empathetic listening. That is empathy. That is, I could care less if I share what you've been through. Because so often when we listen, we listen for similarities because we find those similarities. But similarities are not a, a gateway to, to true connection. There's a whole bunch of people that I had conversations about basketball with that I could care less if that's our last conversation ever. But we have that similarity of basketball. That's just a narrow path. It's just a narrow path. So our similarities don't ensure relationship just as much as our differences don't cause division. And that's the world we're in now. We're looking at people and we're seeing our differences and we're allowing those differences to divide us. That's a whole nother topic I'll dig more into on another time. So five skills of listening. We're talking about communication, not communication from a talking standpoint, communication from a listening standpoint. When's the last time that you actually, truly listened to your child? Rhetorical question. Listen to what's valuable to them. What's important to them? Showing up, leading with listening. I do this thing where I ask athletes, um, what do they think the best way that they learn is? You, know, you can go big words and go auditory, visual, kinesthetic, or if I'm talking to a bunch of 15 year olds, hear, see, do. Do you think you learn best by hearing? Do you think you learn best by, do, by, by seeing? Or do you think you learn best by doing? And when asked the auditory, who, who thinks they learn best by, by hearing information? almost none of them raise their hands. Yet, that is the way that we most often give information as parents, coaches, and teachers, is by telling them. And it is eye-opening to see coaches stand there with this look like, because I'm gonna I'm I'm, I'm talk to you too, parents, 
coaches, I'm gonna talk to you too. You're, you just saw that these young people told you that this is not the way that they learn best, yet this is the way that we teach most. That's a challenge on us. We can't keep saying it's them, it's them, it's them, and we're not doing anything different. Last piece on communication. Lack of communication is always perceived as negative. <laughs> always. Always. In any situation. Lack of communication is always perceived as negative. You ain't walked into one house ever, spoke to somebody, they didn't speak back, and you said to yourself, oh yeah, that, that, we cool. <laughs> whether it's us individually or whether it's them having not a great day, never once have you had a lack of communication and, and took it in a positive light. So it is imperative that we communicate. And I would even go even further to say it is imperative that as parents, as coaches, as teachers, we lead with listening as our form of communication, probably more than talking. I'm gonna pause right there. Give me what you got, anybody. I have a question about the communication self-talk, the self-talk to yourself. What are the conversations you're having with yourself? When you say self-talk versus self-listen, you said that earlier. What would, yeah. like, would you get your way to speak to your 14 year old? What is yeah. you would say to yourself? <laughs> yeah so um and and feel free to steal any of these research any of these so this is something that i do with with younger athletes and i do it with my son as well um who's your favorite basketball player and you know you know steph curry lebron james james whoever whoever they name or whatever sport it is or or whatever person it is whoever it is it doesn't matter what um, and so then I'll say, okay, imagine, you know, I'll even paint the scene. Imagine you're in this arena and, you know, they have the four areas. You got the two areas where the teams actually go through the tunnel to get into the locker room. And your favorite player just had an awful game, awful game. They sucked. And they're walking past you, going to the locker room after the game, and they can hear you. What would you say to them? And always it's rooted in, keep your head up. We'll get them next time. Don't worry about it. Shake that one off. We all get, whatever it is, it's always this uplifting, we'll get them next time. That's what you would say to your favorite player. And then I'll come back and say, but is that what you say to yourself when you don't have a great game? When you don't have a great day? Do you talk to yourself the same way that you talk to your super, your, your, your favorite player? Most times not. So that's the difference between talking to yourself and listening to yourself. Like I, I am a firm believer. I am rooted in competition. I am rooted in improvement and development. There is no tougher critic on Jason than Jason. There is also no bigger fan for Jason than Jason. So if you're going to be your biggest critic, which I feel like you should be, I feel like you also have to be your biggest fan. And that's where I feel like it gets lost. I feel like we do a really, really, really good job being our own best critic, toughest critic. We don't do a great job being our own biggest fan. True. Thank you. Thank yeah. you. That's so cool. Yeah. Um, okay. So last C. First one is connect. Second one is communicate. Last one is coach. If you're not in the athletic space, don't tune me out right here. Because I'm not talking about coach in that sense. I'm talking about coach. Here, here's a, another super quick story, not even a story, just a statement. 
Um, I told you my dad was a jazz musician. My dad was an artist. My dad was not an athlete, loved sports, didn't play them. My eighth grade year, which is only my second year playing organized basketball, my dad was our coach because, and you know, at that time and at that level, it's who has the availability to do it. So he was that guy. And I remember as a 13, 14 year old kid, me asking him clearly verbatim, how you gonna coach us? You don't know nothing about basketball. And he told me in that moment, something that was over my head as a 14 year old. And now as a 44 year old, I am rooted in this statement. At that moment, he told me that a coach is simply somebody who takes people to places that they wouldn't be able to go on their own. A coach is somebody who takes people to places that they wouldn't be able to go on their own. So when you show up and that's your definition, which that's my definition of coach, it doesn't matter whether coach shows up in an athletic space, whether coach shows up as a life coach, whether coach shows up as a parent, whether coach shows up as, as a teacher, well, it does not matter. If you're talking about being in a situation where you can take people to places that they wouldn't be able to go on their own, I identify you as a coach. And I'll follow that up with the best coaches have coaches. We don't we don't make it to the NBA and stop going to practice because we made it to the top level. Nah, like I still need to be coached. There's improvement to be done. And those coaches that are coaching those high level athletes, the best of them have coaches, whether they call them mentors or sages or whatever other words you can call them. Like that's what they have. They have people that pour into them, make them better, grow them so they can go grow the people that, that are in their care. That is coaching to me. And, and specifically now in coaching, this is the challenge now. Starting with self, how do I coach myself? It's still rooted in me. And now the takeaway for this is how much am I celebrating before I'm actually coaching? Like I need to celebrate them and coach them up. A lot of times we do a really, really, really good job coaching them up and not a great job celebrating them. And this is extremely close to me and extremely recent. So I just started working with my best friend's son. So basically my nephew. And he's 16 years old, plays basketball. He, he's short. And he's starting to get to a point where he, he knows that. So now his confidence is a little bit shot. He hasn't truly grasped the idea of what work ethic looks like consistently because he's 16. So he's just kind of in this place where basketball is, is frustrating to him. And dad does a great job of coaching him, telling him what he can do better, what he's not doing well. And I am going to be, if you give me 10 seconds, only because I'm going to the text message. This is real. This is real time. So at 922 yesterday, my best friend texts me and says, bro, he has a long, with a bunch of O's, a bunch of N's, a bunch of G's, he has a long ways to go. He doesn't play with any confidence and no fire. This is my response back to him. Yep, I bet. What did he do well? He wrote me back well with three question marks, like, really, like what did he do well? And I wrote him back something that can be celebrated. He wrote back his on-ball defense at times. 
That's something that can be celebrated. And I told him, tell him that. Tell him that. No coaching, just celebrating. Tell him that. And this is coming from a one-on-one -on -one conversation that I had with his 16-year-old son where, he, where I asked him, I was like, how much did your dad tell you? Great job. Not very much. How much would that mean to you? A lot. We can't keep telling them, we, I can't, we can't keep writing messages saying he don't get it. He don't get it. He don't play hard. He don't play with no fire. He don't play with no confidence. Okay, cool. What does he do? And, and for a lot of us, and this is why I'm not here to tell you how to parent. I'm not here to tell you how to, how to interact with your family. I am here to share with you the game-changing moments that I've had in growing from how I was parented, coached, and taught, and how I am parenting, coaching, and teaching. And a lot of us may be in that space where we think and still correlate that to being soft or a pushover or whatever, this whole transformational coaching or transformational parenting. Yeah, no, mm -mm. no, I discipline my kids just like they need to be disciplined. I am on my kids just like they need to be on when they're not doing what they're supposed to do. We were raised on tough love. That's a, that, that's a common phrase for most of us. Tough love, tough love, tough love. And now you have people that will say that that term has gone away because you can't be tough on these kids because they fold up. And I, I challenge that. I challenge that. I, I do not believe that that is a true statement. I believe that you can be equally as hard on these young people as our people were hard on us. I feel like we need to flip that word. Instead of tough love, we need to love tough. This generation of young person, this generation of person needs to know that they are loved first and then you can be as tough on them as you want to. How can I be demanding without being demeaning? Ooh. I'm gonna pause for a second. What's your thoughts? What's your feelings? Where are you at? Anybody? I have a question for you. Yes, so as an auntie, and I, you know, have to be very cautious of how I, what I say, how I chime in because I don't have kids. So I have to be very cautious around their parents. But in terms of the being like without being demeaning, but also still celebrating them. And it seems like a, a really, it's a delicate walk, right? Because you're trying to constantly watch your words and watch their expression and not tune them, not make them feel like they're, you know, um, less than, but also encouraging something that, what if they're really not good at it, but yet you're encouraging them anyway? So it just is, it's this delicate balance, as you said before about, you know, I mean, what we're trying to do essentially is raise good humans, sure. right? We want sure. these kids to be good humans, but we also want them to stay encouraged um, and actually help them on their journey. So are you saying to me that this young man, the 16 year old, that probably maybe, maybe he doesn't want to play basketball. Maybe his dad wants him to play basketball. And if a dad starts celebrating things that, you know, the kid is doing, the kid is like, oh, gosh, now I'm locked in. <laughs> now he's going to make me want to play basketball when I really yeah. don't want to play basketball. I'm doing this yeah. for him. Yeah. Right. So but at the same time, if you're, you know, so it's this delicate balance of like, how do you really know what they want? And really, if they, they you know, the, the topic is like uh, is, is about space, like them creating space where you're really kind of not intruding on their space. Yeah. You're not trying to make them do something because all of a sudden you're showing interest and you're giving them, you know, high fives on something that they're pretty me mediocre at. Yeah. 
Sure. And now they're like, well, this is the only way I'm going to get his attention. So I guess I'll keep doing it. Sure. Does that make sense? Yeah, total sense. And phenomenal question. I'll start by giving you a phrase and then I'll tie that back. What I feel like is going to be seamlessly in in your question. Um, Here's the phrase. What gets rewarded gets repeated. So, so often, again, we do a phenomenal job of coaching them, challenging them, telling them what they can do better. And also what gets rewarded gets repeated. And so going back to my dad's story, my dad never told me that I should have made that layup. It was always a response that, that about my character. And, and also too, yo man, I saw you miss those three shots in a row and I saw you get frustrated and, and, and hang in there. Yo, I, I know you, you, you didn't want to come out the game when coach took you out, but I saw you stand there and look him in his eye and you went to the bench and you cheered on your teammates. I like how that feels. I'm gonna do that again. I'm whatever I needed to do to make to get that response out of him. I'm gonna do that again. So it's the person. So it's the behavior. It's not so much the activity, but it's more about their character that you're rewarding them for. Yeah, and it's and it's and it's finding out and tying in. And this will this will be a great place to stop. And I can go a little bit over. It, it's tying into what's most important to them. So. Basketball is the outlet. Sports is the outlet. That may not necessarily be what's most important to them. So now, how can I take this current outlet, this current result, and then hit them back with what's most important? So same young man, same scenario. We meet one-on-one, and our most recent meeting, which was Friday, ex-basketball out. What do you like to do outside of basketball? This is how I asked him first. What do you like to do other than basketball? Typical 16-year-old answer. Mm-hmm. All I really do is hoop and, and chill. Okay, cool. What do you like? What, what, what are you passionate about? Oh, uh, I don't know. Typical 16-year-old answer. So then I let him know. I said, all right, I'm about to ask you in another way. And this way will be more familiar to you because everybody's been asking you this since you were four or five years old. What do you want to be when you grow up? which I think is one of the most avoidable questions we can ask young people, like really quickly. Um, Babies, babies, kids that were born in 2000. So they're 21 years old now. And 2005, when they started kindergarten, we asked them as parents, coaches, and teachers what they wanted to be when they grew up. And now at 21 years old, there are jobs that didn't exist when they were answering that question. Like that's just an unfair question to me. That's just me though. I just, that was me on my soapbox. But what this young man wants to be, air quotes, is an architect and he's also very interested in interior design. So he said architect first and then he said interior design. And I asked him, I was like, damn, that's first off, that's awesome. Second off, do you draw? Yes. Residential architecture, commercial architecture. Oh, I like houses, okay, cool. So now I'm tapping into him. Then um, he said, um, 
interior design and he really lit up. I'm looking at him on a Zoom and he really lit up. All right, man, you know, if you could if you could design your dad's house, do you like it? No, like, no, no, no. What don't you like? We're laughing. What don't you like about your dad's house? He's like the couch. Like, what's your style? I really like contemporary, modern, blah, blah, blah. And I am watching this young man light up when talking about interior design. And here's the game changer as I shut up. I said, here's your practice. I refer to everything like basketball terms. So I don't tell them they have homework. I tell them they have practice because in the athletic space, everybody knows what that means. So here's your practice. I want you to find on Google some pictures that represent your style that you like and send them to me. Oh, coach, that's easy. That's easy. That's easy. I do that all the time. Literally smile, Kool-Aid, ear to ear. That's easy. I do that anyway. Okay, cool. Send me that. And here's the thing. I'm about to move from St. Louis to Atlanta, and they are also moving to the South. And I told him, yo, you send me some pictures. If I dig your pictures, I will let you design a room in my house. Also, too, tying back into his confidence on the basketball court, his, your confidence that you display on the basketball court is going to be the same level of confidence that you have to display if you're navigating this place of being an interior designer in this world. Cause you gotta walk in confident about your stuff. You gotta walk in confident about you. You got, and so now I'm taking this current event of basketball and I'm tying it into what's most important to them. This is not just a journey for us as parents or them as athletes. This is a journey for us to be together. Going back to that first C, the first C is relationship. There is always a relationship always a relationship it's just a matter of whether or not we identify that as a quote good or quote bad relationship and and the difference between good or bad that i found is the distance what's the distance we are usually closer to the people that we are physically closer in proximity to. So how do I get closer to my children? How do I get closer to myself, my family, my coworkers, people in my circle? So it's all about that distance of relationship. That's awesome. Thank you again for being here with us this morning, Jason. We'd yep. love to have you back and uh, just really appreciate you and appreciate all of the parents once again for being here with us today. And uh, I'm going to turn it over to Kelly Chapman, like we always do, for uh, our closeout prayer. And again, thank you so much, Jason. Love it. Thank you, Kelly. And Jason, there's so much talent coming out of my hometown of Cle Cleveland. I'm like, yay, this is awesome. <laughs> I have been taking notes, but I am definitely going to go back and listen to the replay because this has really hit me on a very personal level. So thank you for that. Perfect. Thank you. <clears throat> Lord, we come to you today with humble hearts and a spirit of gratefulness. We thank you for Jason Wells and his spirit of excellence and transparency. We pray that this mighty man of valor will continue to be blessed and prosper as he impacts the lives of many families around the world. God, we know that you said a wise son brings joy to his father, but a foolish son brings grief to his mother. Many of us are in a state of grief. We are hurt, saddened, and even angry at times with our children. We can't understand why they act the way they do. It just doesn't make sense to us. We're shocked and dismayed at the behavior and overall character currently being displayed. Arguing, complaining, and crying hasn't changed the situation. We just feel pure grief, God. So we humbly ask that you would enlighten us on ways to better connect with our children. 
Help us to find the good in the journey and in our kids. Give us questions to ask that will help us bond. Help us learn to trade stories with our children. Help us to find ways to be present with our children. Help us to be quiet and listen. As we make the time, God, give our children the desire to be present with us. Give us the willingness to make a change in our own behavior, even though the change feels dramatic or unnatural. And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another. Finally, you said how good and pleasant it is when God's people live together in unity. We look forward to the week ahead and the stronger bond with our children. In your name we pray, amen. 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 And thank you, thank you, thank you, Kelly, for that. Thank you again, Jason, for being here. Um, really appreciate all of you. Um, Jason, your words were just incredible today. And as Kelly said, really struck home with me too. So thank you. Thank you so much for being here. Have a beautiful day and a beautiful week. I'm Kelly Richardson Lawson, and you've been listening to the Sunrise Project podcast. You can follow Sunrise wherever you listen to podcasts. If you haven't yet, open your podcast app and follow this show. Join us next week for another gathering of support. Thank you for listening. If you or someone you know is struggling with mental wellness challenges, contact your doctor, NAMI, the National Alliance on Mental Illness, or both. You can reach NAMI's helpline at 800-950-6264, Monday through Friday, 10 a.m. to 8 p.m. Eastern Time, or email at info at NAMI.org. Volunteers are working to answer questions, offer support, and provide practical next steps. Justin and so good. Thousands of summer deals at your Nordstrom Rack Store. Save up to 60% on new arrivals from Vince, Rag & Bone, Adidas, Joe's, Marc Jacobs, and more. Great brands, great prices every day at Nordstrom Rack. But hurry for first dibs. Get your summer favorites up to 60% off at Nordstrom Rack today. Great brands, great prices. That's why you rack. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour.